Merry Christmas. Man, I tell you what, good deal. Good to see you today. I'll bring an official welcome here in a moment. As you can see, we've got a packed house today. So just kind of squeeze in and let your neighbors sit by you. I think everybody's okay and you're not going to get a disease from anyone today, all right? I am so happy to have this group behind us. They're going to begin our worship service today. So smile at them and sing along if you want to. Miss Karen, are you ready? Let's do it. How about another big hand for them? Y'all can do better than that. Fantastic. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. This may take a little longer than we expected, but you know what? I can talk while they're going down, right? 
Welcome to Cavanaugh Church. Wow, what a great crowd we have here this morning. You're seeing people that you didn't even know came to church here because they come to the other service, all right? What a great thing to have a combined service. We, we didn't know how many chairs to sit out, but we sure didn't sit out enough. So let's squeeze together. I think they're bringing in more chairs, and we're going to make this thing happen. I bring you good news of great joy. Jesus has come, right? Amen. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians 4, 4, and 5. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus came for you because He loves you. And because He came and was born in Bethlehem, He was able to go to the cross and die in our stead. Welcome to Cavanaugh Church this morning. If you are a first-time guest, please get one of those Connect cards in the chair back in front of you, fill it out, and then at the end of the service, go to our Connect counter out these doors, and you can trade that in for a gift. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and ask God's blessing on this service, and then we're going to get to worshiping our Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for bringing everyone here together on this Christmas Eve service. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room and anoint your word so that it can bring change to our hearts. We love you so much, Jesus, and we exalt Jesus today. And we know that if we lift up Jesus, you will draw all men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. And I pray that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Turn around and say hi to your neighbor, and we're going to start worshiping.
seated. Reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. In Him was life, and was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to us to be a light in a dark world.
Will you pray with me? Everlasting God, your son is the light of the world. Your son is the way and the truth and the life. Lord, lead us by your light and lead us by your truth. Looking for Jesus this season, help us to find him. In your precious name, I pray. The light of the world, amen. the people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team and choir. Give them a big hand, would you? Man. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my sermon is going to be micro short, so please hang with me and stay in your seat and endure it until the end, all right? We're going to let you out of here early. How many of y'all love Christmas? Let me see your hand and let me hear your voice. Do you love Christmas? Fantastic. I, I know that we have numerous traditions that go on in each and every house. Uh, at lunch, I'm going to go down to my mom and dad's. The whole family's going to be there. And one of the traditions that we have is my dad every year reads Zechariah chapter 2, verse 6, which in the King James Version says, Ho, ho. <laughs> Listen to it. Ho, ho, come forth and, free, and flee from the land of the north. So you probably didn't even know that was in the Bible, and you've kind of got to have a sense of humor to even get that one. But ho, ho, yeah, we're going to read that. Uh, my wife, my wife has a tradition of setting out nativity scenes. Uh, she is a sucker for nativity scenes. We have them all over the house. Every year there seems to be a new nativity scene that pops up in our house, but that's okay because they're absolutely beautiful. I, I, I went through the house the other day and took a few pictures. There, there's not all of them I'm going to show you, but here are a few of the nativity scenes. This, this one is, is for the kids. It, it's on one of the coffee tables in the living room. Uh, the wise men, I'll tell you this, one of the wise men, he, he spirals just about like a football does, all right? So I don't know how I know that, but that, that's one of the nativity scenes we have. Next picture, Sherry. Uh, this is a huge nativity scene, and Angie keeps it out all year long. It just goes from one place to another. 
and, and little baby Jesus, you can see him there, he's pretty good size, Jason. I mean, he fills up my hand if you hold him. And my grandson, Archer, loves to hold baby Jesus from this nativity scene. Lolo has given him strict instructions of how gently he takes baby Jesus out of the manger and holds him and then gently puts him back in. But, but that's a great scene right there. The next one we see right when we walk in the door, and it, it, it's a pretty cool little nativity scene right by the light there. The only thing I don't like about that one is that it, there's flakes on it, and those flakes are almost like glitter. <laughs> and if you go to church here, you know how I feel about glitter. It's, it's from the devil, and we don't like glitter, but it, anyway, it, it's a pretty cool one. The next one is in the room with the uh, Christmas tree, and it's pretty cool because it's got a light in it, and it lights up, and and that's pretty awesome. The, the next one that I'm going to show you is the most special nativity scene that Miss Angie owns. Uh, let me tell you about this one. It's made out of olive wood, and it was actually handmade in Bethlehem. Uh, we went into the shop where they have the, the little workshop, into the sales shop, and uh, we talked to the guy who owns this place. His name is Mahar. He is the mayor of Bethlehem. His family has been there for generations, and they handcrafted this, uh, this nativity scene out of olive wood. If you can see the stable, it, it is a work of art. Guess what? You don't touch this one, right? <laughs> and, and this one stays out all year long. It's a great one. Then one final picture of a nativity scene we have in the kitchen, and uh, there I thought you would say, oh, ooh, ooh, cool. That's my granddaughter, Ella Jane. She was baking cookies, and while the cookies were in the oven, she was rearranging baby Jesus <laughs> in the nativity scene. That reminded me of a story uh, of a family back in the 1970s. They, they had a Christmas tradition of pulling all the boxes out of the attic and uh, then decorating for Christmas. They pulled the box out with the nativity scene in it, and they, they set this thing up, but there was one piece missing. Exactly. It was baby Jesus. They couldn't find baby Jesus anywhere. In fact, they looked through all the boxes, and, and baby Jesus was missing in action, all right? Now, one of the little kids says, oh, I've, I've got a solution. He ran to his room and, and brought back a weeble. Now, again, this is in the 1970s, and not all of you are going to connect with this, but they had these little, little, little people. They were called weebles. Do you remember the saying that goes along with it? Weebles wobble, but they won't fall down. It's just the way they were made. You couldn't make them fall down. And so he put baby, this weeble in baby Jesus' manger, but he wouldn't lay down. <laughs> because weebles wobble, but they won't fall down, all right? So uh, dad laughed and said, that's not going to do. Mom wanted to go to the store and buy a new nativity scene. Dad said no. And this went on for about a week. Finally, uh, Mom was ready to wrap some gifts. She went back up into the attic to get the box with the wrapping paper. She brought it down, and as she was getting wrapping paper out, guess, guess who popped up? It was baby Jesus, all right? And at that point, everything was, was okay. Hey, ha have you ever wondered what happened? what happened to baby Jesus? Well, he grew up, and he went to the cross. You see, baby Jesus in the manger is the same as cross Jesus on Calvary. We're concluding our series called From Heaven to Earth, 
Christmas according to Isaiah. Here's what we've learned in the month of December. Jesus lights the way for those of us who are living in darkness. The choir just sang it. Jesus fleshed it out. He is the light of the world. We learned that from Isaiah chapter 9. Also in Isaiah chapter 9, we discovered that Jesus is indescribably unique. He is one of a kind. And then last week in Isaiah chapter 7, we learned that Jesus came down in order that we might be lifted up. Today we're going to conclude this series in Isaiah chapter 53. It is one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible. In fact, one commentator referred to it as the text upon which the rest of the Bible is a sermon. It's really the premier passage on biblical prophecy. It is quoted 41 times in the New Testament. Written 700 years before Jesus was born, these verses describe in great detail his life, his death, his burial, and his exaltation. We could sum up this section of Scripture with one word, and that is the word substitution. Jesus took our place. Let me be more specific. Jesus took your place. And if I was going to sum up my sermon in one sentence, it would be this sentence. Because of grace, Jesus was born to die in our place. Would you read that with me out loud? Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Because of grace, Jesus was born to die in our place. I'm just going to read three verses from Isaiah 53. They're on the screen. You can look at them, verses 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Through song and scripture, we have celebrated the coming of Jesus. Right now, I want us to focus on three reasons that Jesus came, and these three reasons are in our verses. Number one, Jesus came to take our pain. More specifically, Jesus came to take your pain. Verse four begins with the word surely, which is the idea of something that comes unexpectedly. It can also be translated truly. This word means that an amazing truth is about to be given. And what is that amazing truth that the writer gives us? He has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Which means that Jesus came to carry our deep despair and our sad sufferings. This phrase in Hebrew has the idea of lifting up and carrying away a heavy load. And here's what I know. Some of you carried a heavy load into this room this morning. In spite of the fact you were eating cookies and drinking cocoa 
and smiling and laughing and acting like you were having fun, deep inside you were carrying a heavy load. And that load has been getting heavier and heavier every day. And sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't know if you can even make it through the day because of the load that you're carrying on your shoulders. I've got some good news for you. You don't have to carry that load any longer. Jesus Christ came to bear our griefs and to carry our sorrows. That means that this morning, here in just a couple of minutes when I give the invitation, you can come and unload your griefs and your sorrows onto Jesus who will carry them for you. He will free you today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says this about Jesus. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus has been through it. He knows what you're experiencing. He understands. He can relate. He knows your grief and your sorrow. And so you're not bearing it alone. And if you cast all your cares on him, he will care for you. It reminds me of that old song we used to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Jesus came, number one, to take our pain. Number two, Jesus came to take our punishment. Jesus was born to bear our sorrows, but he also came to bear our sin. We see this in verse number five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The flesh of Jesus was pierced when he hung on Calvary's cross. Nails were penetrating his hands and his feet, and a spear sliced through his side. He went through all of that for our transgressions. And on top of that, he was crushed, which means he was pulverized or beaten down for our iniquities, which refers to our guilt. This is fleshed out further in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live unto righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The punishment that you and I deserved, and I want you to get that, so I'm going to say it again. The punishment that you and I deserved was placed on Jesus so that we can experience the peace the angels promised to the shepherds at that very first Christmas. This is stated in a different way in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was, he, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for our guilt. Christmas is important. Are you with me? Christmas is important. But Christmas must lead to the crucifixion. If Jesus was not born in Bethlehem, Jesus could not have died on Calvary. 
And, and here is a side to the Christmas story that we don't often refer to, nor is it spoken. Those, those soft little baby hands of Jesus, don't you love a baby's hands? I saw little Noah out there this morning. Devin's a little baby, Catherine's a little baby. I love baby's hands, don't you? I mean, they're so cool to look at. They're, they're just like a big person's hand, only in miniature. I mean, little bitty fingernails, little bitty knuckles. Those soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails could be pierced through them. Those baby feet of Jesus, tiny and unable to walk, would one day stagger up a dusty hill called Golgotha to be nailed on a cross. That sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and perfect mouth was formed so that someday men may force a crown of thorns on top of it. That tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying there in a manger would one day be ripped open by a spear. You've got to understand that Jesus was born to die. On top of all this, think of the pain of the crucifixion and the suffocating weight of our accumulated and repugnant sins. When you consider Christmas, remember Christ came to die for your sins. His substitutionary death fully satisfied God's righteous and holy wrath. Jesus took our pain and our punishment in order to give us peace. So I say it again, because of grace, Jesus was born to die in your place. Why did he come? Well, he came to take our pain. He came to take our punishment. And then finally, number three, he came to take our place. I want you to check out verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What does he compare us to here? Sheep. <laughs> all we like sheep. No, thank you. If you're going to compare me to an animal, how about a lion? Or a tiger or a stallion? No, he compared us to what we are, sheep. And can I tell you something? That's not a compliment. Because sheep go astray. And I want you to notice who goes astray here. All of us do. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. Psalm 119, 176 says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And we all have. Because of that, the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The word laid means to strike with great force, to punish by violence. What that means is this, the strong arm of the Lord came down on Jesus with great force as he judged our sin on the Savior's shoulders. The iniquity of us all fell on our substitute. Substitution is a major theme 
in the Scriptures. Right after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God sacrificed an animal in order to cover their nakedness. God then gave His people the law, which they continued to break, and as a way to avoid the punishment, He granted them substitutes to pay the price for their sins. When a flawless animal would die in the sinner's place, allowing the sinner to be covered with the blood of that sacrifice. The Passover vividly portrayed how a substitute saved people from slaughter when the only way to avoid the avenging angel was to have the blood of a perfect male lamb applied to the doorpost of the house. God said in Exodus 12, 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But we've got a problem according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. It says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, these animal sacrifices were necessary. What they did, they covered the sin of the people. If you sinned, you went to the priest, you would have to bring a, a perfect bull, a perfect lamb, a perfect pigeon, a perfect goat, a perfect sacrifice. They would slay that animal, and that blood would cover over your sin that you had committed only though for a short period of time. You would have to keep going back and sacrificing more and more animals. Because Hebrews 10.4 says it's impossible for the blood of an animal to take away our sins. The only acceptable offering is a perfect offering. And the only perfect person who could die for your sins is Jesus. He was able to pay the perfect price for our sins through his substitutionary sacrifice. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, he said these words in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. I, I like to put it like this. The innocent Jesus was punished as if guilty so that the guilty who are us might be rewarded as if innocent. Because let me tell you what we deserve. We deserve the penalty and the punishment of God. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. God has poured out his wrath against his own son for our sins. Now, I'm almost finished, so can you hang with me just for maybe five more minutes? There is an awesome progression of thought in this passage, and I just want to share it as I close. This passage moves from we to me to he to free. Follow with me. First, we. I count ten times that we or our or us is found in these three verses. We are sinners, all of us. We are in desperate need of saving. Tim Keller said it like this, Christmas is the end of thinking that you are better than somebody else because Christmas is telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own. God had to come down to you. 
We, all of us, are sinners. The whole world is in sin. Me, me. Until I move from we to me, I will not own up to my odious offenses against the Almighty. It's one thing to say, we're all sinners, or you're a dirty, rotten, no good for nothing sinner. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) It's one thing to say that. It is another thing to look in a mirror and say, Will Harmon. You are a no-good-for-nothing, dirty, rotten sinner. But look at verse 6 again. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. That's we. That's all of us. Raise your hand if you're a we in this room. Yeah, All of us raise. But then Isaiah individualizes this illustration. He says, every one of us has turned to our own way. That's me. Yes, we are sinners, but I'm the chief sinner. That moves us to the third word, he. The words he, him, God, his, Lord are used nine times in these three verses. Jesus is the one who took my place as my substitute and made payment for my sins. He is the one who has carried all of my griefs, every one of my transgressions, and all of my iniquities. My sins struck the substitute. I deserve death, hell, and the grave. I have sinned. But my substitute paid the price for my sins on Calvary's cross. Notice again the use of the word for in verse number five. He did all of this in our place. Instead of us, he became our substitute. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. I realize that we're all sinners, we, all of us. I realize that I am a sinner and in need of a Savior. And praise God, Jesus is that Savior. Our key verse in this whole series has been Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down. And God did that. Jesus came for you and for me. And that brings me to this final word, the word free. When I can move from we to me and then to he, I can be free. (laughs) I receive peace and pardon, forgiveness and freedom. That word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which refers to human wholeness. It's more than just the absence of hostility. The only way to have freedom from your sin problem, the only way to have freedom from your substance abuse or your selfishness is to trust the Savior as your substitute. So I say it again. Because of grace, Jesus was born to die in your place. Let's bring all this back to Christmas. Without Jesus becoming a baby and then dying in our place, we would never be saved 
from our sins. Baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus. Jesus was born to die so that you could be born again. Maybe you think you don't qualify because you've messed up too much. You need to listen to me. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done up until this point in history. What matters is what Jesus has done for you. There is grace enough for everyone. It's because of grace that Jesus took your place. He took your pain, your punishment. He's taken your place on the cross. I'm going to go home and walk through my house and I'm going to see all these nativity scenes again. But guess what? Jesus is no longer a baby and he's no longer in that manger. Let me just go on from there. Jesus is not even on the cross today. He died on a cross, but he didn't stay on that cross. He's not buried in some tomb in the Middle East. He is risen. He is risen. Baby Jesus is cross Jesus, and cross Jesus is resurrected Jesus. And resurrected Jesus is the one who sits at the right hand of God the Father. And right now, right now, this very moment, he is making intercession for me and for you. If you've never received God's greatest gift, the Bible calls it an indescribable gift. If you've never received that gift, I can't think of a better time or place than to unwrap God's greatest gift, his son Jesus. Here's here's what you have to do to be saved. It's as simple as, help me out, church, A, B, C, A, admit that you're a sinner. Remember, we all are. B, believe Jesus did die on the cross, was buried in the tomb, but then rose again. And then C, confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. I want you to bow your heads right now. Just bow your heads and, and close your eyes. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you can do that right now, just through this prayer. Say it with me. If you want to be saved, say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you came to earth. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I admit I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to save me. Come into my heart. Change my life. I trust you as my Savior. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, I want you to come to the altar and and pray with one of our pastors. If you're here this morning and you're a long ways away from God, come, come back home today. If you came in this room and you're just heavy and laden with, with burdens and grief and guilt, don't leave this room the same way you entered it. Come and cast all your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. And then if you're here today and all you want to do is rejoice and thank him, come and do that too, all right? Give him praise for being your savior today. 
I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Angie's just going to simply play on the keyboard. The altars are open. I encourage you right now to come and use them. Come, let's, let's come as the family of faith and give our lives to Jesus. Ask Him for help. Receive Him as Savior. Come and pray. Would you like to come now? Come on. Join these who are coming. Come now. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to this sinful world to become our substitute. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly walking up Golgotha's hill and willingly laying your life on that cross and willingly becoming my substitute. Thank you, dear Jesus, for bearing my griefs and carrying my sorrows. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the friends we have here today. Help us to live in the light and to be that light to a lost and dying world. Praise, honor, and glory go to Jesus today. For we pray it in his name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment, please. Fantastic. Wow. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Can you believe we did all that in an hour? Fantastic. It's like coming to the 9 o'clock service. You know you're going to get out at 10, right? Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you've seen people that you didn't even know came to Kavanaugh Church. What a great church we have. Give Kavanaugh Church a big hand. What a great place. Just a couple of things. If you're a member, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Let's fill them up today, all right? 
And then if you're a guest, please take your Connect card to our Connect counter. We're going to give you a gift in return for it. At 4 o'clock today, I know it's going to be a busy day, but at 4 o'clock, we invite you to come back for our candlelight service. It's only going to last 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes. We're going to get to sing some Christmas carols, some great songs, read the Christmas story, and light our candle to become a light in this world. So come back at 4 o'clock for that. There will be no midweek services or activities this week. Spend that time with your family. I'm going to do one last thing before we leave. I got this card last week and, and failed to read it. Uh, Kavanaugh Church, thank you so much for the special prayer in church, the continued prayers, the flowers, and all of the cards. We are truly blessed with the best. I love my church for life. This is from Mary Sebastian. A couple of weeks ago, she had surgery, is doing well. Y'all give Miss Mary a big hand. Love and appreciate her. Be sure and pray for all those on our prayer list. This, let me give you one last word. Darla Gordon has asked that we pray for her family. Her dad uh, became very ill, had a stroke, was in the hospital, then put in hospice care. He passed away last night. Uh, the good thing is we know where he went. He's in heaven right now. So pray for Miss Darla and their entire family. I want you to know one thing. I think you're the best. I love my church family, and I love you. More importantly than that, God loves you. Have a great day. Get a cookie for the road and get out of here. <laughs>